It is the MMA Staredown brought to you by Boston Pizza, Saint Jean, Saint Bruno, Vaudreuil. Brought to you by the men and women, the guys and gals who helped me quit smoking almost two years ago, G2 Vape. Check them out, best e-liquids in Eastern Canada. I would say across all of Canada. And of course, the one and only Royal Barbershop, uh, 3818 Boulevard Tashro, number one. Number one. Number one champ. Uh, I'm Andrew Michael Stone, and that voice you just heard, of course, is uh, the one and only MMA mastermind, uh, Adam Dack. Uh, you're doing good, man, right? I'm doing great. Cool, man. Uh, UFC 223 was this past weekend. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot better than I expected, despite all of the garbage uh, controversies that were surrounding that entire event. Uh, I'm so sick and tired of Conor McGregor, and that's about all I'll say about that. What about you? It was a great card. You know, it, we didn't have as many finishes as maybe we would have hoped but most of the fights were actually wars. Yeah. So we got to give them props to all the fighters on that evening. Yeah, Beck Rawlings versus uh, Ashley Evans-Smith. That happened to be a pretty good war as well. Absolutely. I, I liked it. It was funny because I was watching it with my girlfriend and she was like, oh, this fight sucks. I'm like, what are you... What? The whole time they were standing up. It was like a kickboxing brawl. You know? I, th I think she was texting the whole time. Oh, really? That's what I think. Well, I'm going to have to have a conversation with her, won't I? Carolina Kovalkovich versus Felice Herrig. Now, I'm not a huge fan of Felice Herrig. Um... Just because of, and we'll get to Courtney Casey later, but the last time she fought, I wasn't a huge fan of her, you know, throwing blood and sticking the middle fingers up, uh, all that kind of stuff. But I am, and you know this, a huge fan of Carolina. Um, I, I just don't understand why she doesn't get enough recognition. Maybe it's because of the fact that after her Joanna fight the second time around, it's kind of been like a bit of a roller coaster ride for her. But I really liked that fight. It was I thought it should have been a unanimous decision in her favor. I don't know what you thought about that fight. I see it the same way, but just to go back on what you're saying, uh she did get she did get a title shot. So I think she did get the recognition for her talent, the that she she is a threat in the division nonetheless. Well, yes. I'm saying in recent times the problem is she was on the like I mean, she was on the prelims. Is There's really got to be people on a prelim, you know. This is still, nonetheless, I still think it was a big card. Anytime you're in New York, New York is still brand new as far as MMA market is concerned. So if you're if you're fighting in the prelims of the Barclays Center in Brooklyn or uh, MSG Madison Square Garden, ain't no shame in that. No, unless you're Olivier Aubin Mercier, because you then deserve shame. <laughs> then there's shame, and, and it's not because Aubin Mercier, un petit gars chez nous. It's not that he he doesn't. I feel like he deserves to be on main cards from here on out. I mean, the way that he took it to uh, to, to Dunham was was absolutely uh, phenomenal. Uh, that 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 knee to the liver followed by a, a flurry of punches and a TKO stoppage. I mean, man, you got to give the man some credit. They, now they called him the Canadian gangster, uh, and that was his fourth win in a row. So you got to give the man some credit, man. Like uh, he did well. Not only that, I think that we need to look at the fighters who are at. The Canadian fighters who are in the UFC right now and who's marketable and who can be pushed. Since GSP's gone and Rory McDonald, we don't really have this big name that we can push. And you know what? You, you mentioned it before. He is French-Canadian. He does... There is a market for him, especially here in Quebec, whether it be in Quebec City or in Montreal. He is on a four-fight win streak, as you said. I really hope that in the next fights, they really market him properly and try to make him the next star in Canada because he has the, all the attributes necessary to become a world champion. Yeah, really, you think he can go all the way. Yep, absolutely. Mm -hmm. all, all we need to do is just to make sure of the type of fights that we're putting on for him, you know, not... They just have to be a bit, a bit selective. Like, this fight was a great, you know, a well-known name in Dunham, and he beat him. 
So let's just move him another. Let's put him with another ranked opponent and and move on from there. How soon do you think? And and this has always been kind of like. I'm curious because I haven't really looked at uh, what his uh, uh, medical suspension is. I'm assuming it's probably the average of like 60 days, Something right? Something like that, yeah. Do you think he'd be ready to go, like, let's say in the next two months right off the bat? I don't know. I think I would want to time it properly with a Canadian card, to be honest. Calgary in July, I believe. That would be possible. Yeah. And I think it's time that you give him a, another name. A bit like Dunham. Dunham, you know, he's not in his prime anymore. We're aware of that. But he's a well-known name. Anthony Pettis would be a great fit as well. Okay. Right, coming off another loss, um, I think I, I think it's time we give him a well-known fighter who's maybe not at their absolute best right now, and see how he fares with them, and then move to the real top ten, top five, and maybe eventually even a title shot. I feel like we haven't even seen the best of uh, Obey Mercier. That's the thing. Like I don't know what kind of fighter he is. I can't break down his style because I haven't seen enough of him to say this is this kind of this is what he is really good at. But I know he trains out of TriStar. Uh, I know he's done work with Sadio Fer. I know he obviously does his BJJ with Faraz Zahabi as well. So you know that he should technically be a well-rounded fighter. But what is his specialty? Look, he is an all-around fighter, a great fighter. And what I wanted to say, though, is that very often when you look at the top five and top ten, they're always fighting each other because they don't want to they want to remain relevant in the sport. But you know what? Sometimes you have to give opportunities to you know, top, you know, let's say people who are uh, not top 10 to give them the chance to fight a top five guy. Look at what happened between Josh Emmett and, L- and Lamas or Orlando Venado when he fought Ferguson. I mean, these were unranked opponents and they were able to do a lot of damage. So we have to, f- we, we, we must remember that there's a lot of fighters outside of the top 15 who are world class, who are just waiting to be discovered and waiting to have the opportunity to fight a top 10, top five ranked fighter. All right, agreed. And uh, congratulations, Robin Mercier. You know, we could show a little bias being from Montreal. You know, uh, loved what he did. And uh, yeah, you were right, man. Uh, Olivier, you were right. It smelled like 50 Gs and you got it. Performance of the night. Good so, for him. Uh, yeah, congratulations to you. Uh, another war that we absolutely, like, I, I couldn't believe it. And it just blew my mind how Kyle Boschniak could just smile and stick his tongue out and, and just look at uh, uh, Magomed Sharipov uh, the way that he did. That was... I don't, it didn't, yeah, fight of the night, of course. Of course. Yeah, it had to be. What are your thoughts, man? I didn't really know any of these two fighters, to be honest, but thank God they went on the main card. And this is exactly the example I'm referring to when we were just talking about having unranked opponents and giving people a shot uh, in the big spotlight. And as you said, you know, Magomed Shaviripov at six foot two, 145 pounds, that's unheard of at that weight class, right? And not only that, he didn't look, you know, ridiculously starved out or too skinny. He, he had some muscle on him. It's like as if there was just muscle attached to the bone and that was it, right? Yeah. And he has reach. He's got, and don't forget, he's from Dagestan where Habib Nurmagomedov is fighting from as well. And yeah. these are people who've been fighting their entire lives. So he is definitely a significant threat to the featherweight division. The only thing I'm going to have to say about him is he needs to work on his cardio a bit because you saw him really, really gas out in the third round. And if he's saying he could easily beat Max Holloway eventually... Well, you he's know, gonna have to be able to go eight rounds yeah. to be able to compete with that man. Yeah, because everyone knows Holloway's got uh, cardio for days. Yeah, and for for a guy who's so tall and lean in uh, Magomed Sharapov, you'd have to expect that he has the cardio. But you're right; it looked like he was, you know, already uh, gassed out. I actually think though it's quite the opposite when you're that tall and you're that skinny or not heavy. One forty five fighting at one forty five. Sure. 
you, it's a lot to carry around in the sense that your your body probably needs a bit more than it, it has. But I'm wondering also how much naturally he weighs. He, he he must cut at least 30 pounds to make the 145 division. You think so? Yeah, oh, six yeah, foot there's two. no yeah, way. That would make sense. That would make sense. Maybe even more. He's got one loss on his record. He's got two fight of the night, uh, two performance of the night bonuses and one fight of the night, of course. Um, so, yeah, guy who's very, very easily marketable as well. Um, so you got to give those two guys credit. It was, it was just... It, Look, if if you're just starting out and you're starting to watch MMA and you're starting to watch the UFC, UFC 223 was the kind of card that you wanted because most of it took place standing up. So if, like I always say, right, what got me into MMA in the, to begin with, it's the striking, it's mm-hmm. the kickboxing, the, the 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 boxing and all that. So when you watch that kind of and the Muay Thai to a certain extent, when you when you see a card that's just full of that kind of stuff, I don't understand how you could want more after that. So. Fully satisfied with this card. I can't say it. Especially, you know, like you said, everything that happened, it could have been a shit show. It turned out to be a great show. Was it the best? No. But we, we got our money's worth. That's for that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, most people would agree to that. And again, you know, it's kind of like, look, we're already mid-April and it's kind of been the theme of our podcast and our videos all along, right? This year, yes, the UFC is, is you know, they're trying to strike a new TV deal and we understand all that kind of stuff. But... They are really putting together some some completely underrated and 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 just incredible fight nights and 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 cards and UFC uh, excuse me pay per views because every time you think the card will not be any good, it ends up being phenomenal as we like to put it. And one thing that I think the UFC has done really well in the last couple of years is really go and find new talent. You know, whether it be through the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, fight night contender and uh, Tuesday night or Dana night. Uh, what is it called? Looking for a fight. Dana looking for a fight yeah, when yeah. he travels the states and all that. Those are really, really, really good ideas because you're finding all these. Don't forget all the big names we mentioned them before. You know all the big, big names: Anderson Silva and Connor and and, and GSP. All started in smaller promotions. Nobody starts in the UFC. Nobody. Right. Well, and and I mean, and that's that's kind of the beauty of why we love. Uh, or at least we're starting to cover the amateur scene here in MMA. Uh, we've had the pleasure of covering, of course, the Montreal Fight League and hopefully moving forward. I mean, we will. Uh, it'd be great to cover TKO as well, but you just you love watching uh, the steps the that all these fighters take to, to really work their way up. And, and you can sense it right away. You can, you can smell the star power just with a couple of interviews that we did uh, with some of these fighters. You know, you point a mic in their face and they run with it and you know like, yeah, this is a person that can not only promote themselves, but if they're surrounded by the right people, um, they can definitely take it a couple of notches higher. And that makes me think of Rose Namahunas once again. Why? Because, um, man, I, I, I understand. So here's the deal. Against Ioana the second time around, I actually looked at the stats and Ioana did outstrike her. But I still think that she caused a lot more damage to Ioana. And I think the takedown in the fifth round was the cherry on top because the first two rounds I gave him to Rose, the, the two next, the third and the fourth, I did give to Joanna. And you could see that kind of bounce in her step as well. You could see her confidence was going up and everything. But I really think, you know, the decision went the right way uh, in favor of Rose. I know you agree. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to talk about something. And I kind of, look, I don't like to brag all the time, um, but we called it. We said it when we did our our, uh, our video, our, our short preview. We talked about Rose being more of herself, mm. focusing on being exactly herself, staying humble. 
And you said something that was incredibly important that for some reason we got a lot of flack for. But in the end, it's like, you know, we can stick up the middle fingers to the to the haters because the truth is you were right. Ioana had to be respectful and she had to be humble. And she did. Here's my question to you. Mm -hmm. Is it at all possible? Because at the end, you know, when the fight, when the last bell rang, uh, you saw they both hugged each other with one arm and put each other's hands up or whatever. Is it at all possible that that was a bit of a smokescreen by Joanna in the sense that she, maybe she was showing respect to Rose because she actually legitimately believed that she won. No, I don't agree with that. Okay. Um, I think what happened is the first fight when she got knocked out in the first round uh, shocked the world, shocked us, shocked Joanna. And I'm sure Joanna in her mind said this was one lucky shot. You got lucky on yeah, that. Yeah, she called it a fluke. Right? Yeah. And the weight cut. True. Second fight, I personally feel Rose outstruck Joanna. And caused more damage. So Joanna actually had to realize, wait a minute, that wasn't no fluke. This was pure talent. And I think what what really got Joanna going is the fact that she saw Rose had evolved, and we've mentioned that in the past. Oh yeah. When you look just a, a couple years ago compared to today, the the way she's evolved. I mean, she was known to be a ground specialist with rear naked chokes and so forth, and she outstruck the striker. Yeah. So you have to respect that. I think she was a bit shocked. I think you, you're right to say that Joanna did believe she won the fight. But I, I think everyone who's watching the fight knows that it was three rounds to two for Rose at the end of the fight. You know, when you talk about the evolution of Rose Namahunas, what I, what I love seeing personally, uh, first of all, her footwork. Now, her footwork has improved. Right. You could see the way that she and her head movement has improved. One thing I would like to see more of. First of all, I'd like to see Rose switch stances a little more often, especially if she's up against somebody who's a striking queen, right? Um, and I just don't understand. I'm really surprised. I didn't see how many, I, I didn't count how many uh, uh, leg kicks Joanna uh, landed on Rose. They right? did damage, though. Oh, they did damage. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm surprised uh, she was still standing right. at the end of everything because that leg did not look like it was going to be, you know, healthy for the next two weeks. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm surprised that she couldn't do more, especially that that Joanna is known for her kicks, right? Like her her kickboxing is is world class, and I always thought that just seeing her land kick after kick, like she must have landed what what did we say like fifteen anywhere between ten and twenty leg kicks, and it didn't really do enough damage to to keep Rose from putting a lot of power into her left hand. That was the crazy thing. I think what happened in this fight is that Rose figured out that Joanna was going to try and just do what she's always done, which is outstrike her opponent. Yeah. And that was a mistake of Joanna. I think Joanna had she trained a bit to grapple or to at least attempt a takedown. I'm not saying take her down and beat her on the ground. I'm not saying that. Right. But at least keep it unpredictable. So she doesn't really know what's going to be coming next. She would have probably had a, a better outcome as far as striking had she done, you know, some feints and attempted takedowns and attempt to, to clinch and throw you know, but she was too predictable. She was just focusing on her kickboxing. Yeah. And had she just varied it a bit, the the outcome may have been different. Well, and, and, and last, if you don't mind. No, please. The fifth round, I mean, I was yelling, Rose is going to do a takedown. Rose is going to do a takedown. Well, Why? Because she had to solidify the round. It's yeah. the fifth round. We've seen this in so many, so many fights at the fifth round where people, when it's two to two in the rounds and there's one round left, we go do a takedown and just hug them. At worst, we hug them. I mean, this is for the title, so I can't be upset about that. Sure. Joanna should have known better than that. 
she got caught with that and she lost the fight most likely because of that yeah i agree and and you know what uh, the, the you know as i mentioned earlier i felt like Joanna was a little too predictable she kept going for the right and then the left punches and then what a low kick and that was it that was what it was the entire time and unfortunately that wouldn't cut it against rose now i'm not ready for a rose versus um Joanna three i would be under one condition at the flyweight division at 125. I'm pretty sure Rose could go up to 125. I think the expectation, we talked about this the very same night of the fight. I think it's time for Joanna to go to 125 and become the queen of that division over there. Uh, and uh, you're kind of... No, I'm not, 100% in agreement okay. with you. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, earn the title, uh, which she will, I think, realistically. The thing is, is at 115, she's done everything she needs to do. I mean, right. like, okay, yes, she, she did lose to Rose twice. Yep. The thing is, though, other than that, she completely cleaned out the entire division at 115. Yep. Move up to 125. I think that there's still a lot of... There's a, there's a lack of depth in the 125 division. She should be able to run right through it within a year, in my opinion. Yeah. And then eventually probably become the 125-pound champ as well. Now, would that set up for a super fight between Rose and, and, and Joanna at that point? I don't yep. know. Because let's not forget, though, uh, Rose... That does still have uh, a couple of, you know, good opponents at 115, right? You got Andrade. Yes. And, oh, and, and, and don't forget the losses that she's had, too. So will she want to avenge those losses as well? That's something that we need to look at. I don't know if everyone's ready for a third dose just yet. No. But eventually, maybe within a year or two. Yeah. Uh, if it never happens. No problem. Yeah, I'll still sleep at night, to be completely look, honest. When, when you have two fights, first one is by ridiculous knockout. And second one, in my opinion, was still a clear victory, a, unan a unanimous victory. It was a close, but not, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. No controversy. After two fights and you win both fights, I think you can close the book on that. There is no more. There, there's no need for a, a third fight at that point. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Rose is always gracious, uh, as always, and, uh, and humble. Uh, and, and let her continue to forevermore be an example to, to not just men and women everywhere, but, you know, young girls who are looking to eventually become uh, fighters and, and professional uh, uh, mixed martial artists. Uh, please let her be the perfect example to you guys. She's fun. She's quirky too. Like she's got a great personality. She kind of comes across as a little tacky sometimes in her interviews because of the fact that she's so, she she's clearly, clearly the type to keep to herself. Uh, but uh, that combination of her and Pat Berry is always uh, something amazing to watch as well. And uh, kudos to them. And congratulations to Rose, of course. Now, Let's move on, of course, to uh, the uh, uh, the title fight, the main event. Of course, it was uh, Habib Nurmagomedov versus Al Ayaquinta. Look, I know you have a lot you want to say about that. I'll give my two cents, of course, and then I'll let you run with it. Sure. Um, it was clear Habib was going to win. I think everybody expected that. Right. What I was surprised about, or what, what what was shocking to me, is the fact that Habib didn't finish Ayaquinta. Uh, I'm surprised it went the full five rounds. The other thing I will say, kudos, you know, like credit where credit is due. Iaquinta's heart to, to, to come into this fight uh, in front of his home crowd, probably knowing damn well that he was going to lose. Uh, you can't give enough credit to a guy for, for being a, a soldier like that, you know. Uh, that's about all I'll say, man. Uh, I, I don't understand why there are any critiques. I don't understand why anybody could say anything negative about this fight. I think it's outrageous that um, that certain people said what they said about uh, Habib's uh, and 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 what exposing holes in his in his game. Like, give me a break here, okay? This guy is is slowly, slowly solidifying himself as as one of the, I would say, one of the greatest of all times. Definitely at twenty six and zero, and at the very least, uh, the best in that division. So that that is what I will say about 
that fight. Otherwise, I think it was pretty clear Habib was going to take it. So the first thing I actually want to bring up is the, the commentaries from Joe Rogan, right? It made a whole buzz on uh, on the internet because, yes, he was doing his job. He's, he's the greatest commentator, the color commentator you can want in, in the business. He's the most knowledgeable you'll, you, you can have as well. Sure. I think he got so deep into the fight and he was really just looking for any little mistake that Khabib was doing to, to talk about it. But it diminished away his performance. That's the problem I, I felt like it, it created, right? So you have Joe Rogan here stating, oh, look at this. He, you know, he, he doesn't have great stand-up. He's letting, you know, his chin is, is open and all that. Dude, we've known this for years. We've, we've always talked about how his striking needs to be improved. We've known that. But at the same time, he doesn't he's 26 really. and 0. And yeah. since being in the UFC, he's never lost a round. Never. So no one's even come. The closest I've seen him in danger is Michael Johnson when he took a good punch. <laughs> Other than that. A single Or maybe punch. two. God knows. But yeah, whatever. But the point is this. is even, even though he doesn't have the best striking in the business, nobody's been able, he's not, no one's even threatened him. So until that happens, I mean, obviously he's going to continue training and all that. But until that happens, we can't, we can't start criticizing the man in that sense this guy this guy is flawless that's what he is and okay i, I and i also hear aliquinta you know he's got heart and all that i'm, I'm gonna be i'm gonna be the, the honest guy and say this it was a terrible performance for aliquinta okay it was a terrible performance for edson barboza it was a terrible performance for michael johnson it was a terrible dos años i can go on and on and on about the list it was a terrible performance because they weren't able to do anything look at the video of aliquinta the next day, look at on YouTube. He has a couple interviews, one with Ariel Hawani and right. a few other things. Yeah. He's battered up. Now look at Khabib. Khabib yeah. looks like he just had coffee. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he, he looks like he just got back from the spa. So <laughs> they all have heart. Edson had heart. Asanyos had heart. Michael Johnson, he did. Okay, fine. All had heart. Great for you. Mm-hmm. Great. Good for you. Yeah. But it was a terrible performance. You didn't you didn't outstrike the guy. By the way, uh, the way Khabib had utilized the jab, Joe was killing it, but and he was tagging him. Whether it had strength or not, he was tagging him. Yeah. And Al wasn't able to do anything in return. He obviously... The only few things he, he did well was stuff a couple of takedowns. But, look, it, it'll happen. Now, the criticizing of the fact that Khabib did not finish the fight. Did he have to finish the fight? You know what? I could understand the point, but his opponent changed five times in one week. Yeah. Okay. How many fighters would have said, you know what, I'm done. I'm not taking this fight on 24 hours. This guy, literally, he took anybody. He says, as long as for the belt and it's at 155, I will fight anybody. If King Kong can make way to bring him, I fight him. Exactly. Yeah. And nobody's giving him props for that. Because within 24 hours, he changed. Look, it was supposed to be Tony Ferguson, then Max Holloway. Then we talked about Anthony Pettis, Paul Felder, and then finally Ali Aquinta. He deserves more respect for that. Of course, but he was going to demolish anybody that he was going to fight anyways. But he's really the kind of guy that says anybody at any time within 24-hour notice. So good for Ali Quinta to take the fight. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a great move for him anyways because it was a chance at the title. And I think he got a really, really good payday compared to what he usually has. Probably. Right? Yeah. And Habib, it's not his fault. You know, people are talking like it's his fault. He was there. He made weight. He was ready to fight Tony Ferguson on April 7th. It did not happen. Then he was ready to say yes to Max Holloway. It did not. And imagine if he would have fought Max Holloway. Max Holloway, who had just come off an injury, who hadn't trained, who had a bad weight cut. Yeah. He would have killed him. And then, again, we wouldn't have been giving him the props that he deserves. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's funny? Um, 
Uh, and and uh, thank you for, for your thoughts. You know, I will say this. Uh, when we did our preview, uh, our short preview, I was saying, look, you know, initially it was we did the preview when it was, you know, uh, the initial fight yeah. right against Tony Ferguson. Right. And I was giving it to Tony Ferguson a little bit because I felt like standing up, he would have had the advantage. I, I wasn't alone in thinking that. And one thing I did say, and I will backtrack and I will apologize for this, is I did mention that, you know, there's a hype train. There's an Megamedov hype train. Um, and and I couldn't... Not that I didn't understand why. I mean, the guy's record speaks for itself. And just look at everything. Look at his stats. Look, anybody who wants to argue against uh, Nurmagomedov is, is gravely mistaken. I was. But I now understand why people love Nurmagomedov. There are people who are casual fans who, who don't watch every card or every fight night or anything like that who still pay attention to Nurmagomedov because of how dominant this guy is. He's, he, is fr- he is the Lionel Messi of, uh, of uh, mixed martial arts. But so. look how he conducts himself outside of the octagon as well. Look at his interviews. Yeah. They're honest. They're real. They're raw yeah. sometimes. Yep. You know, it's, just, it's a good conversation with the guy. There ain't going to be no controversy with him. He ain't gonna be, there ain't going to be no big news uh, as far as negative news anyways. True. Concerning Khabib Nurmagomedov. Well, you know, that's he clearly, look, he's a very, very, very conservative man. I think that goes without saying. Uh, devout Muslim, devout Muslim, exactly. You know, and and that usually, you know, comes with that kind of territory, right? Um, and there, there isn't much more that needs to be said about Nurmagomedov. I mean, besides the fact that he called out GSP, a legacy fight, I would love that. Uh, I don't think GSP is ready, uh, at least not for a couple of more months, because uh, last time he fought, he was at one eighty five. Now to come down to one fifty five is absolutely nuts. Um, well, if you saw in the post for press conference, you know, when he Ariel Hawani actually called GSP during the conference to ask him if he would fight him. And GSP was like, oh, you still got unfinished business. So take care of that. And maybe after. Right. So, look, I don't expect George St. Pierre to fight him. I don't expect Connor to fight him anytime soon either. Connor, uh, uh, look, I'm going to take 10 seconds because I'm I, I don't I don't really want to take it. Yeah. But Connor ain't fighting Habib at 26 and 0. the way he mauls strikers. I mean, he, he would get he would get killed. So yeah. that's not going to happen. Tony Ferguson is the fight to make. Otherwise, maybe, uh, maybe Eddie Alvarez. Right. Maybe. So, so here's the thing. Okay. Dustin Poirier. We're gonna get into it probably, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. After. So Dustin Poirier is fighting Justin Gaethje, and Eddie Alvarez is coming off that fight with Justin Gaethje. Right. So right there, you have some up. You know, you got some up uh, potential contenders coming up right now, and we're gonna just have to follow how the fight goes. What I personally would like to see should Dustin beat Justin. Is have a rematch with Eddie Alvarez after that uh, very War. very controversial yeah. no contest, which should have been a DQ. Sure. And the winner of that should Tony not be able to fight at that moment, fight Habib. You know what's crazy? Did you you know for for the longest time in 2017 and early 2018, we weren't we talking about how the middleweight and the welterweight it was a toss up between those two divisions and how incredibly deep and amazing and entertaining those were but then no for me it's the lightweight it's always been for like years now really yep well you know what you that's why you're the mma mastermind well no but everyone's saying it too is what the well come on no no no. well the welterweight and the middleweight are pretty damn the, the deep mid, as the middleweight well. the middleweight you're absolutely right i think the issue was this isn't my opinion the, what i'm what i'm saying is now what i'm loving yeah. is the fact that now the 155 pound division is really starting to gain even more mainstream 
recognition. So those are mostly the fights this weekend. The past weekend were lightweights, right? Yep. And and this upcoming weekend, uh, uh, UFC Glendale. That's right. Saturday, April fourteenth. Of course, uh, we have a couple of good fights. Uh, I'm just gonna jump right into the main card right off the bat. I want to touch upon uh, Michelle Waterson, the Karate Hottie versus Courtney Casey. Look, um, Waterson has fought twice in the last uh, year, right? About a year ago, like I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast, she was fighting. She fought Rose Namahunas. Yes, she you know she was choked out in the second round via rear naked choke. But what I like about Michelle Waterson, despite the fact that she wasn't very impressive against Tisha Torres back in December, is the fact that she's very respectful. She's very humble. She knows that she can't afford to lose three in a row right now. Problem is, she's going up against Courtney Casey, who is I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Courtney Casey. To be completely honest with you, I didn't like the way that she was against Felice Herrig last time. You know, throwing blood at each other and all that kind of stuff. I whatever. Some people like that. I don't dig it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that kind of showmanship, I think there's different ways of doing it, um, and and I yeah, and that's it. You know, like a Courtney Casey obviously has a size advantage and a reach advantage over her. Uh, I I don't know if you have any thoughts regarding that fight. One word, meh, meh, meh. We'll see. Okay, um, the last style bender, Israel Adesanya versus Vittori. That should be good. This guy is undefeated. He is uh, slowly climbing the ranks right now. And uh, look, you know, ninety-two percent of his fights came via stoppage. This is this is a a fiend. I'm already giving it to Israel right off the bat. Um, and and there was something that you you had mentioned to me earlier off the air about Israel that you really appreciated. Well, look, uh, the guy is, is a really big guy, right? And he's got an incredible reach for the division. I think he's got an eighty-inch reach. And when you look at some of the bigger fighters in the middleweight division, such as Luke Rockhold, who's 6'3", yeah. has, what, a 77? Yeah, maybe. Has yeah. less of a reach. So when you... Reach is a very, very important factor in fighting. When you look at Conor McGregor, when he was at the featherweight division with a 74-inch reach advantage, he had, on average, 4 to 6 inches advantage over all of his opponents. John Jones with an 84-inch reach advantage. I think with Daniel Cormier, there was an 11-inch reach advantage. Okay, same thing with him at 185, 80-inch reach advantage. How tall is he? 6'2"? Yes. Something like that, right? He's going he's gonna to be a huge threat to the division in my opinion. If, if he uses his height and reach well, because you have people like Stefan Struve, who's 7 feet tall, has the biggest reach in the division, <laughs> and has still not been able to, to, be able to, to fight using his reach and his height. So, but with a 12-0 record, it speaks for itself. I love the fact that he's Nigerian-born, so we have another African... Uh, prospect, you know, we had Nganu, now we have him, hopefully they play him right, and let's not forget, he's fighting a very game Vittori, I mean, Vittori is a big guy, he's a strong, a very strong fighter from Italy, he's coming off a loss, if I remember, so he's coming in with his A game as well, I'm actually very excited about this fight, I will give it to Israel though, nonetheless. All right, agreed, wholeheartedly, Uh, let's move on, Carlos Condit, finally. The natural born killer makes his return. It's been so long, and and, and like he's look at that. he's the number twelve ranked fighter in that division. Isn't it crazy how like you take a little bit of time off and? Well, it's not only that. I mean, look, he he came off a couple of losses, got choked out in the first round by Damian Maya. He went from interim welterweight champ to, to to losing a bunch of fights. Had considered retiring for a while too, due to due to injuries and so forth. And you know what? This is gonna this is gonna be actually a really really fun fight when he's fighting Alex Oliveira. The, the 
the cowboy Brazil, as well, the Brazilian, the Brazilian cowboy. cowboy, right? Yeah. Uh, so this should be a really exciting fight. Uh, two people who've been around for quite a while right now, uh, who've been in the game, who've had you know wealth of experience. So I just hope though that Carlos Condit really brings his best game and is able to pull through a, a great victory against Alex because I still, I still like to see him. I want to see him fight. I still think he's relevant to the sport. So uh, I, I, ain't, uh, I still believe in the guy. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would agree with you too. You know, I mean, he's he's been such a huge ambassador to the sport for so many years, uh, and I don't think it's over yet. But I, I kind of have to give it to Olivier. Honestly, I, I just really feel like he has a, a little more in him. Honestly, he's a he just seems like he's a lot scarier. You know, like if I was at one seventy and I was, you know, I think I'd be terrified of uh, Olivier personally. I find a Condit right now is reminding me a bit of Donald Cerrone, where he can be amazing on a few fights, and then you feel like, whoa, well, what happened? You know, where's your motivation? Yeah. You sort of choked up. But look, we'll see. We'll we'll see this Saturday night. Now you mentioned Dustin Poirier, the number five ranked fighter, and Justin Gaethje, number six. Man, I mean, it's like. I almost feel like you could put two identical fighters against each other in this and and just kind of say, okay, toss a coin, flip a coin, whoever wins that wins. I mean, I, I this is such an exciting fight, and I can't wait to see how this goes down. I mean, this is just a good card overall for a free for a fight night. Of course. They've been crushing it, man. Good for the UFC, and I love it. So um give me your thoughts on that, because Party still has five uh, losses to his name. Uh, despite the the last uh, kind of uh, controversial, uh, no contest. Uh, yeah, no contest. So, so what do you have, man? What do you what What does this tell you right off the bat? Look, Justin Gagey, You know, we 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 were excited to see him come into the UFC, and he boy did he deliver a war against Michael Johnson. But the problem that I have with that guy though is he doesn't need to put himself in those wars every time. He doesn't need to take all that damage. I think this is very, very detriment to his health over, you know, in the long run. I wish that he would just be a bit more strategic. Some would say, yeah, but he won't be as exciting. It doesn't matter. It's about the health. And we saw it last time. Look, him and Eddie Alvarez had an absolute war. I mean, both were really messed up. Finally, he got knocked out for the first time in his career. But he's in the UFC. The UFC is the pinnacle of MMA sports. So, yes, you were champ in a previous promotion. It was a good promotion. You deserve all the... You know, all the greatness that comes with it. But I fear that all the hits on the noggin that he's taken over the years has weakened his his ability to take damage. And we saw with Eddie Alvarez. And I'm afraid we may see the same thing with Dustin Poirier. Well, you mentioned that Gaethje is a superior wrestler, right, to Dustin Poirier. Poirier obviously is better standing up. He's a bit of a better striker. So what's the game plan for Poirier in this case? Well, Poirier's going to pick his shots. I think he's going to move in and out. He's going to use his angles. He will... I don't want him to see get into a brawl with Justin because it could be a bad night for him at that point. But let's not forget, though, uh, Dustin Poirier has some incredible BJJ. He's got some great chokes as well, so he's definitely a threat on the ground as well. I, honestly, I just don't see it going to the ground. Justin is going to want to keep it up because it is his way. Of, he can wrestle, but he likes to strike before wrestling, in my opinion. Interesting. His, uh, yeah, he, I mean... 
I, uh, I, you know me. I'm always gonna side with the strikers, man. I always love it, and it's not, it's not a cop out for me or anything like that. It's just that's that's what appeals to me personally, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a fan of like the knockouts or anything like that. I can I can appreciate a good one from a technical standpoint, but I'll never scream off the top of my head when somebody is uh, getting knocked out. So yeah, I can't wait. I think it's a great fight, um, honestly, and and I think it's a great card, and I can't wait to see uh, what happens. Uh, and yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't, I, I did want to mention one more thing about, um, it's not really about the UFC, but I will mention that I'm uh, sick and tired of, uh, WWE news popping up on my MMA timeline. And I retweeted somebody's tweet earlier today. Uh, guys, you know, like I stopped watching the WWE when it became the WWE. If you catch my drift, I liked it when it was the WWF and, and you know, I was younger Obviously, this is over 15 years ago. Please don't try and convince me that Ronda Rousey did well at WrestleMania. Guys, it's a show. It's entertainment. It was great. Like you said, you know, I used to I used to be a hardcore WWF fan. Yeah. When I actually thought it was real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a... When you believed in Santa Claus. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Come again? <laughs> Santa Claus is no, real. No, no, but all to say, look, uh, good for Ronda. I, I, I know I said it before. Look, Ronda Rousey did what she had to do in the sport. She opened up uh, the gateways to, to, to female competitors in the UFC. So we got to give her props for that. And now she's making oodles of money uh, fighting for WWE. And if if the fans, the WWE fans, are enjoying it, good. But stay the hell away from my internet sites. When I go on Bloody Elbow and an MMA fighting. I don't want to hear about WWE. I don't need to hear about the entertainment. So I 100% agree with you. Go and get the WWE channel on television. It's like 13 bucks a month. You're going to have everything included. Great job. I love the idea. I'm not there. Yeah, I'm not really into it either, to be completely honest. And uh, look, you know what? I will say this, though, about Ronda Rousey. At the very least, you know, she she's, she talked about her losses to home and, uh, and um, Nunes. And Nunes. And she did say, look, it, it, you know, it, it brought me to where I am today. Uh, yeah, you know, it's like they say money can't buy happiness, but I'd, you know, rather wipe my tears with $100 bills sitting in a Mercedes than in a 1993 Toyota Corolla. No disrespect, of course, to anybody who drives a 1993 Toyota Corolla. Preferably Bayesian. Yes, preferably Bayesian. Uh, yeah, that's it. So I'm Andrew Michael Stone. This has been the MMA Stare Down. Guys, please don't forget Boston Pizza. Of course, we mentioned them in the past. G2 Vape. And Royal Barbershop 3818 Boulevard Tashro. Uh, thank you, Adam. Well, thank you. Thank you, too. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, this, this is how it goes. That's so, guys, goes. Uh, be sure to subscribe on YouTube.com slash Stone on Sports. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you're either listening on SoundCloud or Podbean or iTunes or wherever else you may be doing that. Thank you to everybody who tunes in all the time. And we're going to try to do these a lot more regularly when we can't do videos. Uh, and, uh, yeah, guys, enjoy the enjoy the fights. Cheers.